touchdown by Parsonick. Again to Besser, left circle, shoots and hits Miller in front. It's loose. He scores! Uh, he was good. He was fine. He came up to me and talked to me and you know, apologized, and I apologized to him. You know, we went at it. I love the kid. I got no problems with JT Miller. 7.02 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy day after Halloween to you, Andy. I know it's a dark day, but there yeah, is light at the end of the tunnel. There is the candy hangover for sure. And you said it's now 364 days until the next Halloween. Yeah. Also known as your favorite holiday. You your also not a holiday. Um, it's actually 365. Oh, God, someone, even worse. Someone pointed out that it's a leap year. Oh, no. Mm. I don't, I don't even know, know if that's factually correct or not, but it's a Halford and Bruff show. You can text in pretty much anything. And we'll take yeah. it at face value we'll and it. agree with yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> the dangers we take, sometimes unknowingly, on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour two of this program, which was supposed to feature JT Miller, but won't now. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. Okay, so in the 7 o'clock hour, we were supposed to have Canucks forward JT Miller on the program. Andy tweeted it out yesterday. We all retweeted it early afternoon. It was locked, loaded. We were ready to go. And then last night happened. We got a note very late at night saying that Miller was going to be unavailable because after the game, he didn't meet with the scrum of reporters because he was getting treatment. I think he's also getting treatment maybe this morning. I don't even know. Point being, there's a policy where Miller can't do sort of one-off interviews like this if he hasn't met with the collective media first. Right. We said, okay, we are professionals. At least they pay us accordingly. We can make do. We will push on. I actually said in the intro to this show, you know, I'm not really 100% sure that this was all about a media policy. I feel like maybe getting benched for nearly five minutes in the game last night might have played a role in this. <laughs> However... Are you suggesting that they maybe use treatment as an excuse? I don't even mind. <laughs> you know what? I don't even care. Because what happened last night was a good thing. Everything that happened yeah. last night, even winning and not playing well, was a good thing because it led to some tough conversations, some tough decisions, and a real moment for Rick Tockett where he got to prove that he was a true head coach mm. and he had accountability for everyone, and that includes JT Miller. What about the media, though? What about us? Nobody cares about us. No. Here's a question. Is there, and this is for all of you guys, is there a fan base in the NHL that is feeling more encouraged, better about their team start. Maybe Vegas. Philly. No, no, no. <laughs> Vegas. No, no, no. Vegas Philly. won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, Vegas no, and now the they haven't Cup. lost the game yet. They're 9-0-1. Yeah, I was going to say Philly's Philly. a good one. Yeah. Philly's a good one. Boston's maybe a good one yep. because they had the losses of Bergeron and Krejci. Yeah, everyone and, thought they'd fall off a cliff and they haven't done it. Yeah. San Jose Sharks fans. Okay, no. Detroit. Take it seriously for one time in Yeah, Detroit, life. I'd say. Yeah, Detroit. They look like they're improving. Yeah, I mean, they've, had, they've had a really good start. I think the Canucks might be at the top. I think they are too. I think they might be at the top. Yeah, like oh, you can't just yeah. go on, on 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 records, like because we knew Vegas was good, and even Boston. Like I don't think anyone expected them. Well, maybe some people thought they might miss the playoffs. I'm sh I'm surprised by Boston. 
Yeah. But they were really good last year. Like, if we're talking about... Yeah, they were, like, like, unbelievable last year, right? And I still get the sense that Philly fans feel like the wheels are going to fall off very quickly. And Canucks fans don't feel that way. It's not the same. I don't talk to a lot of money. There's not the same They have confidence in the coaching staff, the Canucks fans, I mean. Yeah, someone texted in, and we were talking about Toronto and how a lot of the moves that Brad Living has made or have not been successful. Klingberg, yeah, I think he has, like, five points. He has five assists. But defensively, every day I'm seeing... You know, things on Twitter where it's like, oh, that was a bad defensive play. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Reeves doesn't play that much, and somehow he's a team worst minus six. Like, he's become that type of fourth line player where he is a liability mm-hmm. when he's out there, based on his plus minus, at least. Um, Max Domi hasn't been very good. I don't think Tyler Bertuzzi has found his stride there. It's the same candidates doing all the like, William Nylander is playing really well, but they got to sign William Nylander. Meanwhile, so this is an unsigned text. Jason is talking about the additions to the Leafs not doing well. I was talking with a buddy about this exact same thing as it pertains to Alvin. Everybody he's brought in has had a positive impact on the team. D-man, backup goalie, coaching staff, etc. Yeah, things just, they're just going pretty well for the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if this JT Miller thing had happened last season? No. Like well, it one, because they wouldn't have done it. But it two, would, yeah, I couldn't imagine. Well, Tockett could have done it when he came on, right? Tockett coached quite a few games for the Canucks. But it, it just would have been, you add it, and it just, you add it to the pile and like, oh, my God, like the criticism. And now, honestly, like this thing, and maybe it's us spinning it, but it's being, I see it at least as a positive, right? Everyone's like, good. JT Miller needed to learn that. And then he came back and he redeemed himself. And Tockett was like, I'm fine with him. I, I love JT Miller. I love him. This is amazing, right? It's not your you fault. Know? I know. And and if you look at the additions that Patrick Alvin has made, not all of them have like been absolute home runs, right? Like we were talking yesterday about Pew Suter needing to have some more production. But Casey DeSmith... That's looking like a really solid pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Ian Cole, I think, has helped calm down the defense. Sam Lafferty, like, he's been a good addition. He's the type of guy I want in, in the bottom six, right? There are still some leftovers. There are still some holdovers. Obviously, Tyler Myers has been criticized a lot. Connor Garland, Anthony Beauvillier. Um, we've seen criticism for those guys. Mm-hmm. But Beauvillier is not long for this team. Yeah. He was basically a contract they had to take back in the Bo Horvat trade. Garland, that wasn't Patrick Alvin. And Tyler Myers, that wasn't Patrick Alvin. And Jim Rutherford has honestly said, like he, he said at the beginning of the season, like there's still a couple of contracts I don't um, want. The one acquisition that you didn't mention there that I think we should probably start focusing a little bit more on, although we fo- focused plenty on him already, is Philip Ronick. I am thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. And he's now at almost the 10-game mark this season. Because remember, we didn't see a ton of him. Last season. Mm-hmm. The other part of this was there was always that lingering doubt, and I think it was in your mind as well, about why did Detroit give up on this guy? Why did they move him? With the team that is trending in the direction that they're trending, why did Detroit make a pass? Is there something we don't know about? Did we get fleeced by Steve Eiserman? You had these thoughts as well. For sure, right? yeah, yeah. Hronick is an incredibly good top Pair defenseman. I think he could carry. I think it goes without saying. He could probably carry his own pair. I don't think it goes without saying. We'll see. He's got. I I would like to see. He's got eight points in nine games. Mm -hmm. He's playing close to twenty-four minutes a night. I know that there's the. It's very advantageous playing next to Quinn Hughes, but like that to me 
is identifying an area of weakness for the Canucks that was the entire defense not named Quinn Hughes, <laughs> adding to it, and then seeing the fruits of that right away. Because, again, we had – I mean, naturally, we're going to be a bit pessimistic. That's kind of our personalities. But I'm not going to lie. I was with you on a lot of it. It's like I want to know exactly – what they've got here. He made I, some nice plays yesterday breaking up the cycle, and that's the type of thing that they need more of from their defense. I just think we're getting closer and closer to having a lot of the answers and a lot of the boxes ticked about this guy being a really, really, really good defenseman and a guy that's going to be a key part of this thing moving forward. His contract negotiations would be so interesting. Uh, I know it's going to be overshadowed by yeah. Elias Pettersson. It's not yeah. negativity. It's no, just, no, no, no. But it's, it's a reality. Hold on a sec. We can't have this is a nice. really tough tough contract to negotiate. Let's say, for example, that Horonic plays the rest of the season, for the most part, on a pairing with Quinn Hughes. Uh-huh. And he plays 25 minutes a night and they've got really good, uh, he's got really good underlying numbers, in part because of him, in part because of Quinn Hughes. His point totals look good. That's a tough negotiation because, uh-huh. you know, his agent, which is, is it? it's Alan Walsh, right? Yep. And we all know that Alan Walsh He's not afraid of a fight, right? He's put not it, afraid of an argument. Way. We're nine games into the season. Walsh is already tweeting about yeah. it. Yeah. And, and and then meanwhile, the Canucks will be like, yeah, like, we like you. Don't get us wrong. We traded for you for a reason. We think you're a really good player. We were talking you up. But at the same time, you have to admit a little bit that your numbers have been helped out by playing with, playing with a guy that might be a Norris finalist this season. Mm-hmm. Like, you and have to admit that. He's on pace. And Alan Walsh will be like... I have to admit nothing. Uh, <laughs> right? Am I under oath? <laughs> um, I think, well, I don't think. I'm, I'm almost positive. Unless injury strikes again, uh, Hironic's going to smash all of his individual marks through his like very limited NHL career. I mean, he's his career high of nine goals and a career high of 38 points. Like, I'm pretty sure that that 38-point total is going to get smashed this year. So he's going to have, I mean, you talk about underlying numbers, the overlying numbers. I mean, he's going to have good counting stats. He's going to have good underlying stats, but it's fine. That's a problem for another day. I just wanted to kind of circle it back to that text that was saying, you know, the the acquisitions that Alvin's made. And yeah, when we looked at them, we're like, can this make you 5% better in this category? Mm -hmm. Can this give you a slight upgrade at this position? And for the most part, they have. And I think it's a direct result as to why they're in the position that they're in standings-wise. Like It's yeah. been a very good start to the season. It's also been aided by the fact that the Pacific Division stinks, which is awesome. And there's a lot of Pacific Division teams that haven't got off the mark yet. Well, well the Heronic, funny, and the Heronic yeah. thing, he even said, or Hughes said post-game yesterday, I'm paraphrasing, like, I knew we'd be good together, but even I didn't think we'd be this yeah. good. Like, even Hughes is surprised by how well this pair is playing together, which leads me to wonder, like, so they're, like, never splitting them up again now, probably, ever again? Like, I, I would never say never. Never say never? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. They're, they're just playing they're, so well, though. Yeah, but you what if the second pair becomes a problem, right? Yeah. So, at any rate, it was funny because you said the Pacific Division stinks. I was watching the uh, intermission with uh, Jamal Myers and David Amber, and they were talking about how the Pacific Division is the best division in hockey. Not standings-wise. Well, not standings-wise right now, but... But the, the team people don't talk about enough is L.A. Like, L.A.'s a good team. You, if, you, if you watch them play in Toronto yesterday, yeah, the, a lot of the focus was on Toronto not playing well. Mm-hmm. But there's reason. Like, they were playing a pretty good team. Vegas looks really good. I think Edmonton's going to bounce back. Um, maybe the Canucks have created enough of a cushion to make it a race between the Canucks and the Oilers. But there is still so much of the season remaining. Um but I, I mean, I know I know what you're saying, right? Like Calgary to me 
is a disaster. Mm-hmm. And I thought Calgary might be one of the teams that was in a race with the Canucks. Um, Seattle has had its struggles early on. I think the Seattle, I'm more bullish about Seattle than I am with Calgary. But, you know, I'm Seattle's off to a Seattle. tough... Seattle well, feels I, like the ultimate no, regression no, no. team. The, the, reason, the reason I'm not high, like, the reason I say that is because I'm so low on Calgary. Okay. okay I, for- I, I'm just like, I think Calgary is in a disastrous spot right now. Having watched them the last three or four games, they are in big trouble. And for Eric Francis to report what he did, I know he kind of suggested it on, a, on our show yesterday mm-hmm. that all contract talks have been stalled. It is not very often where you go down the road with one of your players, and in this case is Noah Hannafin. You go down that road, and you're like, okay, someone can leak it to the media that we're pretty close here, Mm -hmm. that a deal might. And then for that to just be like, what, nine games into the season? Yeah, all talks are off. Yeah, It sounds like Calgary might do a a massive uh, change in direction. And if you think, if you're Craig Conroy right now, and you watch the first nine or ten games, and you look at your situation and go, I got Lindholm as a pending UFA. Mm-hmm. I got Hannafin as a pending UFA. I got Tanev. I've got Zadorov, all pending UFAs. Think of the draft capital that you could create by trading all of those guys. Um, I look at Calgary as one of those teams that it's been very fortuitous for the Vancouver Canucks that the Calgary Flames have gotten off to the start they got off to. Because I had Calgary pretty much in the same spot where they were last year. A fringe, borderline playoff team. Me too. 90 points. They're going to be in that mushy middle with the Canucks at the end of the year. So for because them, because they weren't a horrible team last season, right? No, and they actually had more points than Florida. <laughs> and I suppose they could kind of grit and grind their way into another similar situation this year. Although they got a lot of catching up to do now, that's the big difference. Because right now, by the numbers, Calgary is the second worst team in the NHL. Everyone knows what the worst team in the NHL is. It's the San Jose Sharks. They earned it. They're going out there on a nightly basis, improving it. They are the worst team in the NHL. Can they just go home and spare them this season that they're about to have? Just, just leave. Their points percentage is .056. Like, they are... This is a nice jinx you're putting on the coach yeah, right I, now. To be honest, I was nice thinking jinx. about this last night. Like, I'm slightly terrified for Thursday yeah. as, like, just a Canucks fan. And it all fell apart yeah. in San Jose. <laughs> Why did it have to be San Jose? <laughs> go look. Their lineup is hilarious. Yeah, they it stink, is, man. They're the new, oh, that guy plays their team. Mm-hmm. For example, Anthony Duclair. I did not know he was a member of the San Jose Sharks, but he is. Luke Cunning. I forgot about him entirely, mm-hmm. but he's a member of the San Jose Sharks. Philip Zadina. Oh, you knew that. I mean, that was a pretty big story. Yeah. Mike Hoffman. Yeah. What, what's they're, they're Zadina all done? These, honestly, they're Michael all, Granlund. What's Zadina Granlund done Granlund is a member of the Sharks. If, if you look at like Mike Hoffman, Philip Zadina, Anthony Duclair, these are all wingers that like don't play a team game. Top four defenseman Kyle Burrows. We had him on the show in the offseason. Like mm. they are, I mean, I hate using Island of Misfit Toys, but <laughs> over that's daily, exactly what they are. Over a daily faceoff, their top pairings. God, we're jinxing this so bad. Yep. Their top pairings are Mario Ferraro uh-huh. and Ty Emerson. That's not a real guy. You talk about a no-name lineup. That's what it who is Ty Emerson? And then it's Vlasic with Kyle Burrows, and the bottom pair is Matt Benning with Jan Ruda. So the Mar- the so entire team's a random name generator. Emerson. We're going to go deep inside baseball here inside hockey. Daily Faceoff has this thing where if you're a known commodity in the NHL, your jersey shows up with your nameplate 
and your number because yeah. you've been in the NHL for a while. <laughs> if you're not a known commodity, you just get the team's logo. And the Sharks have like seven Sharks logos in their lineup. That's how you can describe this team. They are completely anonymous, right? It's like, I know he's on the team. I know he has a number. I just don't know what that number you know is. what number he wears? No. I don't know what number he wears. Anyway, back to the original point here. Uh, outside of San Jose, Calgary's the second worst team in the NHL mm-hmm. by standings. By goal differential. Do you think they peaked too early with that 10 nothing win over Abbotsford? I think that was the... You know, you don't... <laughs> Did they get too cocky? <laughs> no. Too cocky? I will say this. We said it at the time. You're acting like jerks. The hockey gods are not kind people at times. They did it to themselves with the karma. Yep. They could have yep. stopped at six or seven. That's true. They were the ones that iced an NHL-capable lineup on the first game of the exhibition season, right? No one told Calgary to do that. That was Ryan Huska's decision. So now hockey has decided to return serve and say, you know what? You're going to have a horrible start. Why don't the Flames just rebuild and hopefully have something coming for their new arena? Because they just gave Jonathan Huberto the most expensive contract in franchise history. Mm. It just kicked in. This was the first year of the extension. Could they drive him into the into the wilderness and just see if he can get back? Go, oh, boy. Run. <laughs> Nazim Kadri drives. He's like, you go too, Naz. No, no, no. No. I don't know what they're going to do. But yeah, those, it's it's always like, but those guys, but those guys. But you, wouldn't, wouldn't trying to keep the team competitive be the very definition of throwing good money after bad? Yes. In, However, in, in some ways, in some ways, you almost have to be like, yeah, we did that, but we still have to rebuild. We still have to do it because I, it's going to get worse before it gets okay, better. I'll tell you what, with all this talk about the uncertain future. I just love that it's Calgary. Well, I, I got to say, you know, remember when we'd say about the Canucks and this was like a few years ago, like sometimes you're screwed. And you just have to wait to come out of it. Calgary might be in that position right now where just like sometimes you're screwed. If I'm a Flames fan and I'm looking at this big picture, I'm a little concerned about the leadership group here and the executive because let's be honest, it really shouldn't take you nine regular season games to make a fundamentally franchise-altering shift. Do you know what I mean? Like your mind shouldn't be changed that radically after nine games. Like you should have had some proof of concept one way or another what you had. As a team, they pay analysts thousands of dollars. They have GMs making hundreds of thousands to do well, these to very be, things. To, to be fair to Craig Conroy, he might have just taken a wait and see approach. And what he's seeing right now is leading him down one path because the only guy he extended was Michael Backlund. Right. And that but, wasn't that wasn't a big deal. And he can still. But they weren't going. They were going down a path. They were talking with Hannafin and yeah, with but they're talking. They were talking. Right, right. But now those talks are on hold. Yeah, but the, but the, but the like, fact that they didn't get those deals done, I think you you can give the benefit of the to doubt me, to, to Craig me, Conroy. To me, going into this, this particular team and this particular situation with a wait-and-see approach mm-hmm. is not the right approach. You well, need a bias for action, mm-hmm. and you need to pick a direction. You can't just say, oh, we'll see what happens. I think teams like Calgary and Winnipeg, they're always in a tough position because whenever they have a player that's actually willing to sign and is a quality player, they're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Because they're worried about attracting free agents. They're worried about, let's say they go through a big rebuild and they get their star player, like Matthew Kachuk, for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they're like, are you going to stay? He's like, no. But, um, and, that, and that's one of the reasons why they're building this new arena, right? Yeah. They want players to stay. But I still think even with a new arena 
you know, players just, a lot of them want to be elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to compare Calgary to Winnipeg, but I don't want to compare Calgary to Vancouver either. Vancouver's a, a much more... Uh, attractive city for the majority of NHL players than Calgary. Okay, That's can, just the reality. I was in Calgary two weekends ago. That's I what, can confirm. And, and, and like, I like Calgary. I've been to Calgary a few times, had a good time. It's fine. Right? It's fine. It's fine. It's a fine um, city. And people will say Vancouver's got its issues. Yeah, if you're poor. But hockey players aren't poor, right? They they love Vancouver. He speaks the truth. Right? It can be harsh, but it's true. No, I, I get what you're saying there. I want to I want to pivot back just again to the talk of Bad starts of the season. So we went through San Jose. By the way, the Canucks are going to be in San Jose on Thursday. We have sufficiently jinxed that game. We apologize in advance. San Jose is bottom of the table in the National Hockey League standings. Calgary is one spot ahead of them. If you go through the bottom 10 teams in the NHL right now, you will find Nashville, Minnesota, Seattle, Calgary. Those are four teams, four teams that I all expected to either be in a playoff spot or battling with the Canucks. Did you mention the Oilers? Because they're in there too. I can't count Edmonton. Yeah. I'm with you. Like McDavid yeah. and Dreisaitl are too good. For that. For the Edmonton Oilers. I can Oilers, see the Oilers winning like 10 games in a row. Exactly. And yeah. McDavid has like 37 points over those 10 games. And we're like, <laughs> yep, that happened. He's a good player. I think that for what the Oilers is a slow start, for the other teams is an area of concern. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I think it's a oh, concern for, sure. for Calgary. For sure. I think if you're St. Louis, you're not stoked about your start. I think if you're Seattle and you're already at the 10 games played mark, you're like, uh-oh, was last year a bit of us catching that lightning in a bottle? Mm-hmm. Minnesota has not been good, and the goaltending's a problem. And we saw Nashville last night. I was listening to Sat and Bick talk on the postgame show, and Sat spent a minute and a half or two talking about the opponent. And he's like, that's a toothless team, despite the fact that their logo has a gigantic tooth. That is a toothless team in Nashville. And I was like, yeah, the, if Forsberg isn't scoring... And Yossi isn't, you know, really doing more than any other defenseman's asked to do offensively. Like he has to carry that team offensively mm-hmm. at times. They're not great. But they're rebuilding. But they were a point away from making the playoffs last yeah, year. Yeah, but they're rebuilding. They, they, they Look at all the draft capital that they've amassed. They've got a new general manager. What I'm talking about here, yeah, though. I yeah, know. Like the teams that are going to be in the mix with yeah. Vancouver have gotten off to poor starts. And we talked about banking points at the beginning of mm-hmm. the year. Like this is going great. This is really, really going well, and we haven't even added to the fact that we'll circle back on this in the next segment of the show, which was supposed to be JT Miller, but it won't be. Um, what happened last night was not resting on their laurels and not just being happy with getting two points. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, there, there would have been a lot of iterations of this Canucks team that would have said, hey, you know what? We got a win. It was, yeah. uh, it was a win that we needed, and we got two points, and we'll move on to the by, next. By the way, I think it's funny when I hear people say, like, that's the type of game the Canucks wouldn't have won last season. I'm like, that's exactly the type of game they would have won. A flawed victory. Right? No, like a flawed, of of, like they, it's not like they didn't win any games last year. A lot of the times they would win games. They wouldn't play particularly well, but they would get great individual performances from Pedersen or Hughes or, or, or you know, like the, the, those types of guys. That's the, that's the problem. I think that's what Rick Tockett saw, and he was like, hey, we want to be more than that. We don't want to be a team that relies on individuals mm-hmm. to get our win. We want a more complete team game. And I think he took issue with a lot of even his best players last night for turning the puck over. The whole game was just disjointed. Yeah. Right from the very beginning. I was like, you know, like, and it was Nashville too. Nashville had some brutal turnovers from their defensemen, and so did the Canucks. So, it was a janky game. So in some ways, I'm kind of glad the Canucks had that, although 
because heading down to San Jose, I didn't want that to be the trap game. <laughs> but this is where we'll kind of find out, are they going to take this message from Rick Tockett seriously, or are they going to be like, yeah, 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 coach, we got the win. Why Sweet are you point. complaining? Right. Um, we'll dive into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket next. If you want to weigh in on last night's game, please do so. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Also, if you want to win tickets to the Canucks game on Saturday, it's the Canucks in Dallas, two of the top teams in the Western Conference, going toe-to-toe on Saturday at Rogers Arena. Send to what we learned in. Make it good. Hashtag it WWL and put a ticket emoji into your text. That'll enter you into that one. If you want to win tickets to see Kiss, yes, Kiss, on Wednesday, November 8th at Rogers Arena, same thing. What we learned, hashtag it WWL. You got to put a music note emoji. If you want to cover all your bases, just throw every emoji imaginable. Don't put a kiss emoji, though. You can if you want, but you have to have the, the music note emoji. You can't just say kiss tickets, please. We're still getting lots of those. We are getting lots of those. You have to send something of substance. You're not being clever by just right. saying that. This is not, remember, it's not a grand prize draw. It's a contest. It's always important we, we point that out. So, Send them in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. This is your home of the Canucks. This is the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Grants. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Alfred Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Alfred and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. An entire uninterrupted hour of Alfred and Bruff. No guests. No guests in the seven o'clock hour. It's just us talking sports. People liking it. We're getting lots of compliments. Uh, are we? They're tolerating it. We've had one compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being generous. <laughs> it wasn't really so much a compliment. Alfred and Bruff in the morning, hour two. It's brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Based the highest prices on scrap metal. It wasn't so much a compliment as it was an observation. Uh, North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Madison, you're on the board. Does your microphone work? You haven't spoken to the audience yet. This is your big chance. Greg, you should have showed her this part. It's a key part of the gig. It's where you turn on the microphone, you say hello to the listening audience. Intern Madison, ready, set, I'm go. shy. There you go. <laughs> You're shy. Oh, that was okay. more than enough. You've already contributed more than Laddie has over the first hour and a half of the program. Uh, <laughs> or ever. <laughs> or ever, really. Uh, we, there's a bunch of stuff going on in the world of sports that we haven't discussed. We have spent the better part of the last 90 minutes talking almost exclusively Canucks yeah. and the National Hockey wasn't, League. Wasn't it funny how yesterday... I came in and I was like, I, I never think about the Raiders, but like, what is the point of the Raiders? Because the Monday Nighter that I chose to watch, Quite where they were beaten and probably should have been beaten by more by the Detroit Lions, was mm-hmm. just like, it actually got me thinking. I'm like, when was the last time this team that is so famous, right, and has such a huge part of the NFL's history was relevant and it actually had me going back to seeing the last time that they won a playoff game 
And it was, it's been two decades now. So clearly, Raiders owner Mark Davis listens to the Halford and Bruff show. He's like, he, we've lost Halford and Bruff. It's like, there's two guys in Vancouver. They think <laughs> we're irrelevant. We are firing head coach Josh McDaniels and general manager Dave Ziegler. That's what the uh, Las Vegas Raiders did l- very late last night. Mm-hmm. Like, it was Halloween. I was doing some adult beverages on Halloween. I was kind of looking at it all cross-eyed. I'm like, did they just fire these guys this late at night? This doesn't really happen like the big, I mean, it happens once in a while, Mm -hmm. but the big house cleaning where the head coach and the general manager are both gone. Yep. And what are we, you know, like halfway through the season? Linebackers coach Antonio Pierce gets the biggest elevation of a linebackers coach I've ever heard. He's now the head coach. All right, guys, there's going to be a lot of focus on the linebackers going forward. And assistant. <laughs> Never seen a team lead with the linebacker position before, but here we are. And uh, Champ Kelly goes from assistant general manager to interim general manager. Bigger picture here as we kind of go back to the conversation we had in the aftermath of what was a really a dismal. Monday night football performance because the Lions didn't even play that well and still won by double digits. I don't know what this franchise is anymore. And Mm -hmm. it's sad because the Raiders are an iconic franchise. Sorry, the Raiders were an iconic franchise. I don't know what they are anymore. They're the team that you travel to Vegas to go watch your favorite team play. Like they've kind of become like a, a novelty act, like a sideshow. Like yeah, oh, but like while not you're even in, a good novelty act. Right. Here's tickets to Jersey Boys, also a Raiders game. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what they become. Yeah. And it's weird that that organization became that because for the longest time they were known as well, one a the success, rebels of the league, but also they won. Yeah, they won championships. They were a feared opponent. You did not like going to Oakland or Los Angeles or wherever they moved for a myriad of reasons, Mm -hmm. but the least of which was that the fan base made it hard on you, the players made it hard on you, and they they relished in being the evil empire and a villain. Yeah. Now they're just sort of this bland, identityless franchise. And of all the franchises for it to happen to, it's shocking that it happened to the Raiders. Right. That's kind of where I'm getting at here. Did you watch any of the baseball last night? Uh, No. Lowest uh, lowest television ratings in 15 years for the World Series. Really? That came out yesterday. Yeah. So um, the Texas Rangers beat the Arizona Diamondbacks 11-7. The best the player Rangers in were baseball up. basically got knocked out of that series, yeah. and the Rangers are still winning. That's my big takeaway from that. The Rangers were up early in that. You can't even really say Arizona made a game of it, although they, I guess they did cut the lead to four. Um, so the Rangers can't escape the sad club tonight. Mm-hmm. It's a 2-3-2 two, two series, so Game 5 goes in Arizona again. Is that enough of a hook to make more people watch tonight? The yeah, fact that You're, the, you're the, really the, overstating the importance of the sad club. Yeah, I love no, the sad I, club. Yeah, I don't think it is. I'm saying I don't think it is. I don't think people are like... They're like, like when the Cubs won, obviously mm-hmm. a big deal. When the Red Sox won, not that they were escaping the sad club, but they hadn't won in a while, long time. Mm-hmm. But the Texas Rangers are kind of like, yeah, they're in the league, right? Good for them. Are they going to win the World Series? No, oh, that's amazing. Here's what's happened in this World Series. Uh, one, they got Major League Baseball got dealt a lousy hand with the matchup. They could have had mm-hmm. Philly and Houston. As a matter of fact, they were really close to having Philly and Houston. But instead, they got Texas. And let's be honest with this Diamondbacks team. It was an 84-win team during the regular season. <laughs> Like, they showed over a large sample size that they were good, not great, and they just kind of got hot at the right time. Agree or disagree, the only way this World Series becomes compelling is if the Diamondbacks fight back in it. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> that's all but that's the left. only way. There's not going to be a real uh, emotional yeah. coronation. Like, I get that the Rangers will I hope the Rangers win won. at home. Like the I Ra- hope the Rangers get a little bit of pressure. They so can't I'm win cheering. At home. They got to win this on the road. I'm cheering for Arizona tonight. Because when it comes to the sad club, sometimes teams from the sad club escape the sad club. They really do. Yeah. Believe that, Canucks fans. I am. This is the, but, 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 but. Sometimes they uh, fail to escape and they do it in spectacular fashion. Like, and if the Rangers, I mean, the Rangers have already done it. Well, that's what and I'm if saying, the Rangers yeah. blow this, and it's possible because I don't think the Rangers are a perfect team. They were also missing some guys now. Mm-hmm. If that happens, then this will go from a World Series that no one focuses on to one that like everyone's going to watch Game Seven to see if they blow it. So because Madison's in Laddie's seat and Laddie's sitting in the background, you had to you were, had to suffer through without interjecting. Get all of that Halford and Bruff baseball analysis. Were you gritting your teeth at how dismissive we were of the World Series? No, you guys have pretty much nailed it. <sighs> it was a blowout yesterday. I don't think it, even people that started watching that game probably turned it off halfway through. Uh, yeah. That didn't help. It was yeah. a 10 nothing lead for the Rangers. And I'm looking at this, and I, I see what you're saying. There is a path for a comeback because Garcia's out for the remainder of the series. So, too, is Max Scherzer. The problem is, is I especially at the last two games, I'm gonna have a real hard time finding things to pull. If you're Tori Lavolo and you're the Arizona Diamondbacks, what's gonna mm. go wrong? Well, right the bullpen you? game didn't help either, right? No. You don't have a real starting pitcher for the game, so there was an article in the Athletic about that today too, which doesn't really do much for the fans if you're trying to get people interested in the World Series. Did you watch last night? I had to call a game, so I missed it. Oh, we got to talk about that. Laddie called a, a Michigan goal, a lacrosse goal. Oh, okay. The first time I've ever seen one live in person, and I was mm-hmm. doing play-by-play. Set, set, set the stage for us. You're a play-by-play guy. Yeah. Do, do the picture with words thing. Well, I don't know how else I can describe it. Like, it's, a, it's a lacrosse goal. You pick it's it up behind the net. And you kind, of start your, with, kind of your job to describe well, no, the action, I, it the was Just so you know. it, The reason I was excited Very for this one, part. and we talked about it before the show, is that uh, lacrosse goals are a little played out. The Michigan mm. goal, everyone can seemingly do it nowadays. But the one that. yesterday at the Delta Ice Hawks game, Peyton, who he, he pulled it off so quickly. Who? That, yeah, who? Peyton who did it? Who do you think you are? I am. And he pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a quick quick one up over the glove side Did of the goalie. Did you use that call? It, it made it. No, I didn't use what that. What was the score? Sadly. That made it a, a 6 nothing game. I mean. Ooh. So it was a Who's lucky he didn't get his head taken yeah, off? Was, Who uh, doesn't know the code? <laughs> it was uh, early in the third period, though, so it wasn't like it was a garbage time goal or anything. Did you call it selfish and me first? I did not call it selfish. <laughs> I called it That's amazing. what one of our play-by-play guys to pontificate right away. So all I Well, I don't s- like that. All I meant by setting the stage was like who played what the game. Adult where- Ice Sox over the Langley Trappers. It was in Ladner. Right. And it was a, what was the final score? 6-1 it ended up. They right. the shutout late. Uh, so you posted the clip and I was like, oh yeah, it's a nice, and you called it a lacrosse goal, not a Michigan, no. right? I call Ver- it both. It's, it's Verbiage both. is important. And here. interesting tidbit though, the league that he did it in, the PJHL, the Junior A League here in, in BC, yeah. Mike Legg is a coach for the Ridge Meadows team. No way. The guy that first pulled it off. The original, Michigan. the originator the original of the Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Oh, I didn't so it all that. comes full circle. Good job, Larry. Uh, I want to read uh, a question from two-time caller Brian. Is part of being a good team winning games where you've played badly? I'd say yes and no. 100% it is. Uh, well, I would also say no because the Canucks won games last year when they played badly. But they, they just had they just had individual players, they just had individual players step up at times. Do you remember the beginning of the season when 
it looked like the Canucks were never going to win a game all season. Like they just looked, they just looked awful, right? And Drancer, credit to Drancer, was the one who's like, listen, they got enough talent that they're not going to, they're not going to be in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. And well, they weren't because they had enough talent. So I think it's a bit of a yes and no thing. Like there are, it. I, I guess it depends how you win them. Like, I think good teams will win games when they don't have their legs and they'll rely on their structure and their habits to win those games. And I think that's admirable. I don't think we saw that last night. And I think that's why Rick Tockett probably wasn't super happy with how his team played. And his team echoed that, right? Quinn Hughes talking about, we had too many turnovers today. I didn't see that as a game where the Canucks didn't have their legs for whatever reason, and then they just relied on their structure and their habits to win that game. They relied on their star players, and those guys made plays. Um, we've got news, a development. I don't want to go with the breaking news center, but we've got news out of the National Hockey League, specific Washington, which is noteworthy, to put it mildly. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom, on, on behalf of the club, they have issued a statement saying that given Backstrom's ongoing injury situation, he has decided to step away from the game of hockey. Uh, Backstrom then went on in the statement to say that, quote, this is a difficult decision, but one that I feel is right for my health at this time. Backstrom underwent a very significant hip surgery. I believe it was hip resurfacing last year. Returned to the lineup this year. Um, He had played in eight games. He had, I think, just one assist. And we're getting a note passed along that according to some of the NHL metrics, he was actually, you know, they've got the new advanced technology and mm-hmm. tracking. He was actually tracked as being one of the slower skaters in the National Hockey League this year. 35 years old now. And Didn't coming off major hip of surgery. Like yeah. if you want to start pointing in the direction of why this is happening and what's going on, it's very clear that the injuries and the surgeries and the rehabilitation have taken a lot out of Nicholas Baxter. Uh, and he's not bad. able to keep up at the NHL level. You know, I don't understand why the Washington Capitals have to keep trying to be competitive in order to help out Alex Ovechkin with his chase of Wayne Gretzky. Can you not retool and then also get the same time give o- Ovi lots of chances to score? Well, here's the thing. Like it's not like if they retooled or rebuilt completely the Capitals would never score a goal again or never get a power play again. Okay, here's the thing. Um, A lot of people have discussed this, and more people are discussing it quite openly because of how bad, quite frankly, the the Capitals have looked to start. You got to give the fan base hope. There was an understanding, and you know, all due respect, the Caps are four, three, and one in eight games. They have nine points, so it's not horrible, but they don't look right. And this backstrom thing is going to hurt them. There was an understanding, and it was almost sort of implied without defending it that this team moving forward was going to be about Ovechkin's pursuit of Wayne Gretzky's goal scoring record. I've noticed more and more people speaking openly about it and saying, hey, wait a minute. That's a bad idea. No player is bigger than the team. Wish talked about it uh, on the Jeff Merrick show when he was on a little while ago. More and more people are discussing it in the sense of, well, wait a minute. Can you really do this? Part of it is because this is an unprecedented tact Mm -hmm. that the club is taking like yes 
you can't be about one player because it's a team sport. But you're also talking about one of the most hallowed marks and individual accomplishments, not just in hockey, but in sports, period. Like Gretzky's goal record. But it doesn't go away if the Washington Capitals rebuild. That's all I'm arguing about. I don't know if it does or not. They seem to think that it does. Like we have to surround Ovechkin with... With old slow players? To remain... (laughs) Why not just try and get some young talent in there to help Ovi? I don't... I mean, I didn't make up the plan. My uh, my thoughts from it from the outside are they're going to just keep running it back and try to be as quote-unquote competitive as they can. Mm -hmm. I guess so the chase doesn't look flimsy. Can we talk about some of the rookie coaches that are in tough situations? Spencer Carberry in Washington and um, Ryan Huska in Calgary? Carberry and Huska, to me, when they both got hired, I thought, why (laughs) are you giving... Rookie head coaches, these jobs where the task is very difficult Mm -hmm. and the expectations are relatively high. I understood it from the perspective of Washington in that you've probably already got a veteran group in there that knows how to take care of business as far as like the team is concerned. Um, The thing that Calgary, I wasn't so sure about, although the thing with Calgary is they wanted the opposite of Daryl Sutter. And what's the opposite of Daryl Sutter than like a rookie head coach with bright eyes and all these great ideas and a and a fun attitude? I was listening to Ryan Huska's post game after the Heritage Classic. He sounds like an elementary school teacher the way he's talking. They went in the right uh, idea. They went with the right idea. They went in the wrong direction. They needed Bruce Boudreaux. There was not a team that needed Bruce. There it is more than those guys. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. That well, that would defensively, have been, that would have like been the perfect anecdote or anecdote. He's back. Antidote. Who cares about defense? Perfect antidote to whatever <laughs> Daryl Sutter had done to that team is you bring in Boudreaux. Can I make a note about the the Capitals before we move on just for a quick second? You can, uh, Greg. Backstrom, by the way, getting the lowest ice time of his career by far, 14 and a half minutes he's averaging. Even when he was a rookie, he was up 19 plus minutes. And that's tough for a rookie head coach to have to do that? Yeah. Spencer Carberry is barely older than half of the Capitals roster. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that. That to me was the biggest thing. Like I know it doesn't really matter, but it absolutely does. Because mm-hmm. they not only do they have veteran guys, but they have veteran guys that have a real presence and standing within that organization. Like Backstrom's a a lifer. Uh, he's gonna be. He's gonna. His number's gonna re- be retired. Capitals, Capitals Hall of Fame. There's of a lot. Yeah. Of, there's a lot of teams out there right now that I'm looking at and going, "What are you guys gonna do?" Like you're in a tough situation. Calgary is one of them. Washington's another. Mm. If Pittsburgh doesn't pull its socks up, Pittsburgh's problematic right now. St. Louis is problematic. Yeah, that team that I saw. <laughs> that team that Are I you saw starting to Friday. come around on Craig Berube being the first coach fired. No, because there's so many other good candidates. Right. Right. Like who's the best candidate besides Craig Berube right now? DJ Smith, mm-hmm. Jay Wood, or Woodcroft. I feel uh, like. The- yeah, I guess. <laughs> The Woodcroft thing is it's too reliant. Like, I did not like that everyone after the Heritage Classic was like, is this what turns around the Oilers' season? I'm like, the Oilers should not be in that conversation. <laughs> they're too good to have an outdoor Do you mean the like, return of Connor McDavid? Yes. Yeah. like they're, So I could see if that keeps sputtering, he could be a guy that gets moved on from Berube, just, Berube and DJ Smith, the two guys. If Berube me. hadn't won the Stanley Cup with St. Louis, like, there might be some, some level of loyalty there. Mm-hmm. But then also you you kind of like, well, you replaced a guy halfway through the season. Yep. Maybe you'll be in that situation now. I D- just see Dean Evison in Minnesota is I, another one if that keeps sputtering. Yeah. I just see with Barube and St. Louis, like I see a disconnect between him and the top young players. Because he hates them. 
Probably, yeah. yeah like but he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like and, it's and, his it's his choice to have the disconnect. Right? <laughs> it's nobody else's fault except for Craig Berube's. Well, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. But yeah, they're they're in that mix of mm-hmm. teams that are off to really problematic starts, and I don't really see a solution on the horizon. That's the one thing with Edmonton is I see a solution on the horizon. It's play Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl a bunch, and they'll find our way out of this. But this again, it all circles back to what I was saying last segment about so many things have gone right for the Canucks to start this season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about a, a kind of problematic preseason and exhibition campaign where there were a few red flags raised mm-hmm. and we were a little concerned because we talked about the importance of hashtag the start. And then the one thing that we never really explored because we were so focused on the Canucks is what are all these other teams going to do yeah. to start the season? This is a great start. For all the mushy middle, if you're a Western Conference team that's looking to get in, you've got to be happy at the fact that Nashville, and I hate saying this out loud, but I'm going to, looks kind of mid. Right. And and, and Calgary looks downright sus. <laughs> Super sus. I don't yeah, know if that's yeah. how you say it. No cap. No, no cap. No, no cap. cap. No yeah, cap. But, yeah. Um, so if you're if you're if you're tuning in and you're like, why is it just these two idiots talking? Yeah. Wasn't JT Miller supposed to be on the show? He's supposed to be on the show right now. Today. Um, Yes, he was. So here's what happened. Last night, we all watched the Canucks game. We saw that JT Miller was benched for a time by Rick Tockett. He did play in the third period. He scored, played well. And Rick Tockett afterwards said, hey, I was just holding him accountable. I love JT Miller. He's fine. End of story. But the media, of course, requested that JT Miller come and speak to them. And the Canucks said... He's not available. He's getting treatment. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't getting treatment, but in the media game, that is often used as an excuse for he doesn't want to talk, right? He doesn't want to talk to you idiots. He never wants to talk to you idiots, but especially tonight. So he's getting treatment. Now, we got a call late last night from the Canucks, and they said, sorry, many apologies, but JT Miller can't join you. And we said, oh, yeah? Why? And they said, well, because he didn't speak to the media yesterday, our policy is he has to talk to the scrum of reporters before he does any individual interviews. He has to so talk to said, all of you before he can talk to a few. So we said, we disagree with that policy, but fair enough. And they said, hopefully we can have JT on the show later in the week. And so, we said, do you have somebody else? And they said, we do not. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even ask that follow-up question, to be fair. We're just like, ah, whatever. It's late. We'll just figure it out in the morning. We can ramble on for an hour interrupt, uninterrupted in the middle of our show. But I said this off the top, and I'm not just currying favor with the organization that snatched the rug out from under our feet last night, but I don't even care. If this is the byproduct and the unintended consequences of accountability mm-hmm. and what happened last night. Great. Maybe a player just having his feelings hurt a little bit, being a little sensitive, maybe even a little bit embarrassed. I don't about even care what, the, you know what but I don't even care what the reason is. It yeah. could have been entirely club orchestrated. I could care less. If it, if we are the poor unfortunate souls that have to suffer, mm-hmm. and we didn't really suffer that. Well, much. the listeners I felt have fine. To, the listeners have to suffer because they have to listen to us. True. I do feel bad for create you guys. content. Yeah. However, if that's the unintended consequence that's fine because it would be hypocritical of us to go on the air as much as we have and demand, yes, demand uh, a better performance and more structure and more accountability and more professionalism in a winning hockey team and then push back at the first time that they actually try and 
put that into practice. Because this is a... What about accountability to the media, though? That's what people love hearing about. That's they like true. it when media makes it about themselves. Yeah, and we're trying not to do that, <laughs> even though those last two minutes have been very self-indulgent. <laughs> what we're looking at here is a good moment. Like, I really... I don't want to overstate it, and I'm not doing this theatrically. Like, when I saw... And granted, I missed chunks of the game last night because it was Halloween. But um, when I saw not just what happened last night, it mm -hmm. wasn't like not even close to an oil painting of a game. No. But they won 5-2. Then to hear what Tockett said and to see everything that happened in the aftermath, I was grinning and I was like, yeah, this is good. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is different. This is unique. Right. Right. And I'm happy that it happened. And we do have other guests. Unless it tears the team apart. Then it's a problem. <laughs> Then I don't like it as much. Coming up on the other side of the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650, we're going to talk to Vanny Sartini. Tall task ahead for the Vancouver Whitecaps on Sunday. Not only are they in a must-win situation against LAFC, having lost the first of their best mm -hmm. of three, they're going to have to play to more fans than ever before because the Whitecaps have officially opened up the upper bowl for, oh, for ticket sales good. for Sunday's game. So BC Place is going to be popping this weekend. Right. They're right. going to have to bring out the leaf blower for the upper bowl. The upper bowl is going to be like, why are there so many people on consecutive nights sitting up here? Is Coldplay here again? What's yeah. <laughs> So many vodka sodas. Yeah, it's tequila, tequila soda. soda. Come on, oh, buddy. Sorry. Come on. Uh, that's on Sunday. BC Place is going to be uh, hopping this weekend. Vanny Sartini is going to join us next on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650.